G'day sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Tuesday evening. I know I promised uh, more podcast episodes recently, but wasn't able to get one done on the weekend as I'm uh, currently in the process of moving homes, which if you haven't done before is uh, a tedious task, so a lot of my time has been devoted to moving trailers around and pieces of furniture, but I thought I'd quickly jot down my thoughts on a couple of pressing things in the NBA and the NFL. Fantasy Fridays will be back, and I will be doing a podcast episode. I'm going to endeavour to do it on YouTube as well, but fingers crossed if I can't get it done this coming week, then it'll uh, be in the works for the following Friday. But let's dive into this fast five. First thing I want to discuss is the NBA MVP race. And the reason I want to discuss this race, the next article I'm working on, which again, I've been endeavouring to get done for a few days, but hasn't come to fruition, is the NBA Sports by Fry ladder update, the third edition this season. And there's not a lot of a movement, uh, spoiler alert, the top four remained the same. There's a couple of people who've juggled around. I'm sure you can predict who's in the top four, but... I want to discuss some of the more dark horses this episode and talk about the guys who can still win it. Because at the moment, it's clearly Giannis and Luca right near the top. Whatever order you want to put them in is up to you. Personally, I have Giannis above Luka Doncic at the moment. James Harden and LeBron are right up there. Anthony Davis deserves a bit of a mention, maybe as LA's best player, or the Lakers' best player, I should say. But there is more than five dudes who I think can still win the award. Obviously, the big one, in my opinion, is Kawhi Leonard. If he can play a full season for the Clippers, maybe somewhere close to 70 games, if he can at least tick over 65, I think that's mildly like the cutoff, in my opinion. Uh, He could definitely piece together a uh, resume worthy of a MVP caliber. Paul George, similar with the Lakers stars. Paul George being with Kawhi Leonard will take a few votes away from him. They're only 26 and 12, and I say only because that currently has them at the fourth seed out in the West. There is another team above them in the West who has an MVP candidate that I think you need to keep your eye on, and it's fitting that I'm recording this after his latest game, and that is Nikola Jokic. He was copping a lot of flack for how he started the season. I still put him in my top 10 on the ladder. I think originally I had him ranked 5th or 6th or something like that. It was a bit of recency bias because he had just canned back-to-back game winners, but don't count out Nikola Jokic just yet. The Nuggets have the second best record in the Western Conference, and they've started to find their mojo a little bit. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10. They got an impressive win against Atlanta today with Jokic dropping a new career-high 47 points. So, Jokic is someone to probably keep your eye on. I think he is still definitely capable of claiming the MVP. Outside of that, it does get a little bit tricky, but I think in the East, there's one other candidate who we consider, can consider rather, and that is Joel Embiid. I think he's more likely to win the MVP over his star teammate in Ben Simmons. And the fact that Embiid is Philadelphia's best player, if they can, they really need to address their bench and their shooting woes and a couple of other issues. They're slipping a little bit down the East standings, but it's a long season when probably a couple of games under the halfway mark for a lot of teams. So there's no reason why Philly can't get their act together and push for the third or second seed out East. And if they go on a tear and Embiid is the fuel that ignites that fire, then I wouldn't rule out him being another dark horse candidate. Now I want to turn my attention to the NFL playoffs. I'm going to break this down into two sections for the Fast Five because 
There was a lot to unpack from Wildcard Weekend. I didn't get to record a podcast and give my betting advice, which was probably for the better of uh, Sports by Fry fans, because uh, I got a couple of games right, but nowhere near the results that I predicted. Starting in the AFC, we have to obviously start talking about Tom Brady and the Patriots. I got this one wrong. I thought that the Pats would go in there and do enough to cover. I think the line was about four, four and a half points. That offense hadn't done a lot recently, and their defense had kind of suffered because they weren't. Uh, they were on the field a hell of a lot more against opposing offenses. But I still thought New England would galvanize, get it done. I mean, it's Brady and Belichick. We can't count them out, right? But this might just be the end of the Bill Belichick Tom Brady era. It's obviously too early to tell if that is going to be the case. But if it has been, uh, if it is the end of the run, they've had a pretty unreal twenty years together. They won six Super Bowls. Obviously, Tom Brady has kind of cemented himself as the greatest quarterback, if not player, of all time. So I think full credit really does go to Tennessee, who, if you didn't know, were the other team playing this game, and the ones that win and get to advance. They made life hell for New England, and they're probably the team that has looked not the most impressive through the second half of the season. I mean, their schedule wasn't a hair, or wasn't super difficult, so take it with a bit of a grain of salt. But Derek Henry looked like a beast. He ran all over the Patriots, which... Helped, obviously, Tennessee set up themselves for a winning score. They only put 14 points on the board until Tom Brady threw a pick six late in the game. So Henry's presence wasn't the only factor in the Titans' win. And it'll be very interesting to see how they go against Baltimore. I'm not, honestly, a huge fan of either team. Uh, but then again, I don't think the Titans are just making up the numbers. So this would be a pretty close one. But I still give Baltimore the edge with home field advantage and a couple of weeks off for a lot of their star players. But the Titans could make this one close. Second game, the Texans and Bills. That was a wild game. It was a crazy ending. Went into overtime, and I think in overtime, we really saw the difference between two of the... Well, I was going to say star, but I don't really classify Josh Allen as a star. But two pretty promising young quarterbacks. Let's class them together by uh, using that label. Uh, If you didn't know... Texans won, they advanced, uh, probably should have taken care of business a little bit earlier than they did, but they were both, both teams were given a chance to possess the ball in overtime, and Josh Allen looked very average in the closing stages. He made a couple of weird and ill-advised plays. There was one play that uh, Booger McFarlane, the commentator, called a YOLO play, where he threw it downfield to the fullback. If you're not a huge NFL head, that's not a good player to be targeting, usually one of the shortest dudes on the team, and he was being double-covered by two defenders, so... Obviously, Josh Allen has some kicks to iron out in his game, but on the other side of the coin, Deshaun Watson was nothing short of spectacular. He was the difference right near the end. He made a pretty magical play, which if you haven't seen, I reposted on Instagram. He basically got tackled by two dudes almost simultaneously, kind of bounced off both of them, spun out of the pocket, and was able to make, I think it was close to a 20-yard gain, which then set up the game-winning field goal. But Texans do have a lot of holes still on their team, so I won't be picking them over the Chiefs on the weekend, but full credit to Deshaun Watson and the crew for getting it done against Buffalo. Flipping conferences now, let's focus on the NFC. The more important game, you could say, uh, in wildcard weekend from an NFC perspective was the Vikings versus the Saints. I'd pick the Saints to go all the way to the Super Bowl and eventually lose to the Kansas City Chiefs, but that's not going to happen because they got knocked out in the wildcard round. Now, granted, at the start of last season, I predicted the Minnesota Vikings to go all the way and win it. So it's not a huge shock to see this team doing well. They haven't undergone a lot of change in the past season and a half, two regular seasons, I guess you could say. Kirk Cousins was probably the most impressive performance of his career. He made the two biggest throws, I think, of his NFL career and the biggest plays of the game. First hit Adam Thielen for a 40-plus yard gain. 
which set him up in the red zone and then threw a nice jump ball pass to Kyle Rudolph who caught the game-winning touchdown. So huge upset for the Vikings going into the Superdome in NOLA and getting up the win. New Orleans picked a really bad time for their worst game of the season. They were one of the best, uh, if not the best, teams protecting the ball in the regular season. They only gave away eight turnovers throughout the 16-game regular season, but it doesn't sound like a lot, but they had two bad turnovers, one of which the Vikings marched down the field and turned into a touchdown, and they missed a field goal to end the half. So the Saints only have themselves to blame, but full credit to Minnesota and Kirk Cousins. Second game, and probably the least appealing on the schedule, you could argue that the uh, Texans-Bills doesn't uh, captivate a lot of fans, but we knew what we were going to get with Philadelphia versus Seattle, and it kind of sucked that Carson Wentz went down in the first quarter so that we didn't really get to see the Eagles potentially challenge Seattle. It was a close-ish game throughout, but mainly because um, Seahawks' offense didn't really deliver, but poor Philly Eagles fans. I mean, they've been dealing with injuries all year. They get to this stage, they finally break through with the NFC East title, and uh, their result is that they're bowed out in uh, round one. But uh, I don't know how much I like the Seahawks, but uh, full credit to them for getting it done. They're going to need their offense to fire a bit more if they want to put up enough points to beat Green Bay. I like their chances, but I still think I'd side with the Packers. DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson prove that they've got a pretty unique connection, and you throw Tyler Lockett on the other side of the field, and I back Russell Wilson to go in there and make a contest out of this, but it'll be very interesting to see which dudes step up in the, the second round. We've got some pretty interesting matchups. I'll uh, probably try and do a podcast a Fast Five Friday, maybe Saturday morning, and preview the uh, second round of the NFL playoffs. Actually, one quick note as well. The Dallas Cowboys made a head coaching hiring today, hiring former Super Bowl winning coach with the Packers, Mike McCarthy. Good veteran hire. They said they wanted someone with experience, so I think that was a tick. They resisted the urge to try and land a big name. They might not be able to get any, which is why they maybe went McCarthy's route, but I think it was a good hire from the Cowboys' perspective. Rightio, the fourth thing in this Fast Five, I'm going to do these last few quickly because i am uh, dragged it on a little bit, but if you haven't heard by now, Dwight Howard, yes, the Los Angeles Lakers center, Dwight Howard, has announced that he's going to take part in this year's dunk contest. If you aren't aware, Dwight Howard is a previous dunk contest champion, so it's great to see him getting back into the contest. There is a couple of other rumblings about who could potentially be joining him. It will, I think, come down to, obviously, what happens with two main stars in the competition. That is Zach Levine and Aaron Gordon. They've competed in a pretty unreal dunk contest in Toronto, I think, back in 2016 from memory. So there's a chance that you could see them going head-to-head as well with Dwight. And from a personal perspective, I think that'd be the best way for this to unfold. The fourth spot might go to rookie Grizzlies sensation Ja Morant, who apparently has been invited but hasn't made his mind up yet. Watch this space. There's no way he won't be included in the rookie sophomore, or what is it now, USA vs. World, I should say, showcase on the, the first night of All-Star Weekend. So Morant could be in the dunk contest, which would be pretty unreal as well. If those dudes don't enter the dunk contest, I would love if we could get another star in there. I don't think Zion will take part, at least this year, in the dunk contest, but... Maybe you could twist the arm of Giannis. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell competed in 2018, so he's another candidate. If none of those dudes get in, I think the next most likely player, probably a lesser-known type that I would like to see, is Derek Jones Jr. of the Miami Heat. He competed, I think, once before and didn't really live up to the hype, but I reckon he deserves another shot. And obviously, Hamadi Diallo, I'm sure I butchered it the second time around as well, of the OKC Thunder is... The defending champion, so I'm sure he'll be invited back as well. There's a lot of people pushing for Vince Carter to enter the dunk contest, and I can see the appeal, but 
you have to remember, Vince Carter is now about 86 years old. So from a nostalgic perspective, it would be great to see him jumping up and trying to throw the ball down. But he has these old man legs now. Let's not forget. So he's not going to be able to wow like he did in the earlier part of the 21st century. He could. I wouldn't be surprised if he still got out there and pulled out a 360 or did something impressive. But it's probably better if Vince doesn't participate in the dunk contest. I kind of want my memories of Vince in the dunk contest to be when he was doing those breathtaking dunks with the Raptors and... He's obviously got enough uh, highlight reel dunks on his resume, so I think from a personal perspective, it would be wise if uh, Vince Carter sat this one out. Fifth and final topic of today's Fast Five, NFL Draft is uh, starting to ramp up. I'm going to do a bit more of my coverage, start looking at some of the prospects, looking at who your team should target potentially, but there's going to be a very, very big quarterback or big name quarterback that is going to draw a lot of attention throughout this whole draft process. Of course, I'm talking about Tua Tagovailoa, the Alabama Crimson Tide former Heisman runner-up who has declared he's not going to stay in Bama for his senior season. He's declaring for the draft. He suffered a hip injury in mid-November and as a result is obviously still rehabbing from that and his injury status is still a bit murky but I think it's smart to declare for the pros even if he has to sit out his rookie year and rehab and work through his injury issues then it's a worthwhile maneuver. So who will go after Tua Tagovailoa? That is the big question. The Bengals currently hold the number one pick and all signs are pointing to them targeting Joe Burrow is a Ohio native so it makes a lot of sense from that perspective but then it gets interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if a team tried to trade up maybe for pick three, which the Detroit Lions currently have, pry that away from them and get a couple of other future assets. The reason I don't think the Redskins will give up pick two is because they'll probably nab Chase Young, who in any other draft would maybe make a case for, or if the Bengals didn't need a quarterback, he'd probably go number one. But Chase Young's a star defensive end from Ohio State, so expect to hear his name called early. The New York Giants are drafting next. They don't really have a need for a quarterback. They might, but highly unlikely. Then there's a couple of teams that I would be very shocked if uh, Tagovailoa slid past. The fifth one and most likely landing spot, in my opinion at this stage, is the Miami Dolphins. They've got Ryan Fitzpatrick. They've got Josh Rosen, but Josh Rosen rather, but they really need someone to build their franchise around. If they can get Tua, they can still use Rosen and Fitzpatrick in season 2020 to try and at least build the core of this team, get a couple of other pieces, rehab Tua till he's fully healthy. Similar could be said for the Los Angeles Chargers. Phil Rivers, again, might just want to stay around for another year, and if that's the case, they can help Tua rehab and get him primed for when the Chargers do. I think they open a new stadium maybe next season, but he would obviously be a big name and be able to sell uh, tickets and put bums on seats when healthy, so that could be a potential route. I don't think he'll go much further past those two teams. The Carolina Panthers is an interesting one at pick seven. They, again, could draft Tua and let him rehab for a full 12 months. Let Cam Newton play out his contract, and if injury issues arise again, then they would have to choose if they want Kyle Allen or Will Greer on the roster to help fill the void, or maybe Tua will be healthy for the second half of the season and able to step into that role. But there's a lot of obviously potential landing spots for Tua. I think... There is still doubt over whether he's going to be the same type of player, but I still think he's worth taking a punt on, especially inside the top 10. Guys like, or teams like Arizona, Jacksonville, and Cleveland, they're not going to go after a QB. Maybe the Jags, but highly unlikely. So if that's the case, then I think he'll land at Miami, unless someone potentially trades up to nab him, but I'd be very shocked if he was still on the board at pick eight. I know this has been a huge episode, but one little teaser that I want to add right at the end. Again, I've talked about Fantasy Fridays, but 
I'm starting to ramp up my AFL fantasy production as well. Nick Natanui piece is live on dreamteamtalk.com, so you can check out what I wrote about him for the deck of DT. Next player coming out Saturday from memory, uh, another West Australian player. I won't uh, give too much away, so make sure you check that back for uh, future posts, or near future posts. There'll be more pieces coming for sportsbyfry.com once I finally get all my furniture into the right house and get Wi-Fi set up, then I'm gonna get cracking on a couple of NBA bits and pieces like I've talked about. The MVP rankings are on their way. I'm gonna predict, I have a second chance of predicting what I think the All-Star teams will look like, and then right near the end of the week, I've got a Phoenix Suns piece lined up. So make sure you check them out. Thank you for listening to this podcast, though. Enjoy the rest of your week. Till next time. 